Welcome to Echoes Down the Road, a podcast presented by the band West of House. My name is Eric, and today we bring you episode two, where we will be breaking down the song Yesterdays from our debut album, Crescendo of Silence, which released in September. So join me, Lance, Tommy, and a special dropping guest as we dive into our album opener. Well, welcome back. We are West of House again, and this is episode two. So we hope you enjoyed the first one. We had a lot of fun. Uh, in case you forgot who we are, this is Eric. I am the singer and guitarist for West of House. And I'm Lance Bletcher. I play the four-string axe for West of House. And I'm Tommy. I'll be your drummer for today's podcast and for everything West of House going forward. And so like we kind of told you guys about in the last episode, we're going to spend the next 10 episodes uh, talking about a song off Crescendo of Silence. So we're going to go one episode per track and hopefully have some insights and fun little stories and mistakes that Tommy made and just some stuff <laughs> to kind of bring you into our world. We don't know if you actually want to go, but you never know what might happen. Yeah. Hold our hand while we walk you through the jungle. All right, We're all new at this. Start this. This is our there first commercial promo here. Eric, what did you just do? So all great podcasts have beer in them. And today I will be drinking a resin double IPA from Six Point, one Six of our Point. favorite breweries in West of House. And we encourage all our fans and soon to be fans and even enemies to go pick some up. Six Point Brewery. They're out of Brooklyn, I believe. Right. And fantastic stuff. Don't you agree, Lance? It's one of my favorites, that's for sure. Eric wouldn't even share it because it's definitely one of his favorites. No, I guard it like a jealous lover. Mm, tasty. Okay, so this would be a good time if you're unfamiliar with the song or haven't heard it or, hey, just want to listen to it again, you know, you can put us on pause. We're going to be talking about Yesterdays. And that's our opening track off the album. So go ahead, play it right now. Go for it. Do it. Do you want, you want me to play it? No, or, not you. No, I've he, already they, heard it. It's for them yeah, to play. I know it. Okay. Yeah, I think they should do that. Hopefully you just played it, and it was awesome. And if it wasn't, well, the episode will still be awesome, too. So, let's talk about yesterday, shall we, gentlemen? Let's do it. Let's do that. So, if I recall correctly, and I do, because I have notes in front of me this time, <laughs> yesterday's was the second song uh, recorded for Crescendo of Silence. I don't even know if we had thought about creating an album at that time. The first was, of course, Fallen, which we will get to. When was Fallen? Fallen was late Gosh. December? Yeah, we yeah. may have finished it in early January, but I know we started the project in December. Yeah, Eric uh, Eric and I met up at NAMM, and we talked about the drum track at the time, so we did some something before mid-January. Yeah, that's what I remember. You know, I, I think that's right, Tom. Uh, so with Yesterday's, Yesterday's is kind of when the West of House idea uh, started coming together. As, as we talked about a little bit in episode one, you know, this was originally just a solo project of mine. And then Fallen went so well, it's like, well, these guys did such a good job, we should probably take all this magic and sauce of rock that we have and turn it into an actual band. So we made the band is what you're saying. Yes, we made the band. 
No, but we made we yeah we made the positions though, right? You were kind of auditioning us, is that what you're saying? And, and we're so good that life like, is an audition, Tommy. It's all an audition. <laughs> That's true. That's right. All the world is indeed a stage. You don't even really have the job yet. It's true. <laughs> it's only been twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough interview. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's only going to get worse as this goes on. So the uh, kind of the impetus for yesterday's, you know, if, if you've heard the track, it's it's got a new wave foundation. Uh, the Cure, Icicle Works, Echo and the Bunny Men, uh, Old Cult, and what we do is when I write a demo, I give it a crazy name that's just off the top of my head that usually describes what's going on. That's why this one, the demo name was Cure the Cult. So what I'm going to do now is I started yesterday's with about seven layers of guitar. And those layers actually ended up on the final version of the album. It was kind of a rare feat. Usually anything on the demo gets scratched and redone. But these turned out so well uh, that we kept them. And so... I wanted to ask you about that, Eric, because... Yeah, go ahead. My, I don't know how much before this time in January, whenever we started this next song, how long had you had your Ableton in your studio, in your garage? Because part of me felt like you were like in a candy shop, couldn't just help yourself, you were touching everything and licking everything or whatever. <laughs> so seven guitar parts <laughs> on a scratch demo is not normal. So I wanted to ask you about that. You know, it... I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely some candy shop involved. Uh, I start, you know, like this, like this first one. We'll play this right now, and that can play under while I'm talking. This is just the left ear track, and it's the rhythm sections, kind of got that new wave feel to it. And, you know, that was one thing I started with. I'm like, okay, well, we got this. This is cool. Well, let's pan it to the left. Okay? And now next, the next thing we'll play, this is just a little bit of what's playing to the right. So still a similar feel, but you see how they kind of sit together. And this was the base of the entire song. Like B-A-S-E. Yes. <laughs> not B- I did not play the bass on this song. That, that's your right. job. It's yeah. a, that came later. It's a, it's a land I do not venture to. For sure. You know, and then once you kind of have that bass, well, then you start hearing other things. Uh, I had an had accent guitar, you know, which, uh, so this, what you're hearing right now, that's one of the accent guitars on it. And then I had two different tracks of that. And then we got really crazy, and then I put kind of a lead melodic line on it. So one of those, this one you're hearing now, so, that, so that's going on too. So now you put all these together and you start to have something. Now we do have a later demo of it with these, and let's just play a little bit of that right now. Right, so that kind of gives you an idea of all those guitar parts coming together. So, yeah, Lance, like you were talking about, there's the candy shop feel of it. And I literally have parrots outside my house right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that at home. No parrots. I can hear Keep it. Keep going. You sound great. <laughs> the parrots are agreeing that yesterday's is a kick-ass song. For okay, sure. but all those layers come together, and I, I spent too long talking about it, but if the short answer is... I hear those layers in my head. Now, did you hear all the layers when you started sitting down or is it like you did the the first couple and then you just kept going, ooh, ooh, and you grab another one or? Probably probably half of them are there, 
Okay. And then when they lay down, then you start hearing it's similar to coming up with it's similar to coming up with vocal lines. Yeah. But it'll be like a guitar line, like that lead that we played earlier, uh, from the little lead from yesterday's. Those are things that I'll sing, and then we'll just put it on guitar. Right. And then next, the next thing I came up with is I just had one word for the song, which was yesterday's. And it's in the same place that it is in the song, and I was singing it. I had the same melody line. And so I started with that, and that kind of moved me into writing the lyrics for it. Nice. Tommy, you're talking too much, man. Yes, he is. I know. Hey, I'm just listening. I'm just like the drummer, right? Better uh, seen than not heard. You're like a, a color man. That's, <laughs> that's right. When something exciting happens, I'll tell everybody about it. So, Eric, at what point, like, like how long did it take for you to get those initial seven lines together? And then obviously with the vocals coming, I think afterwards, how long did that take? Because the first time I heard it was obviously a scratch of those seven and your vocals. But how long did that take? So those seven lines were <laughs> about two hours. That's awesome. So th that was done in two hours. And then I think I did lyrics not too long after that, because when I sent the demo to Tommy, did it have lyrics on it? Yeah, sure did. Okay. So, so yeah, the, the lyrics, I mean, and that was kind of true for the entire album. The lyrics for this album, uh, usually it takes me a long time to write lyrics. I've had some songs in, in earlier bands where it's taken me nine months to craft something that was, I felt was worthwhile for the song. With West of House, I used a lot of stream of consciousness. So I would get an idea and I would start writing and I would sit and just let it flow out. And the majority of times it worked. We didn't have a lot of rewrites on this album, which is good or bad, depending on if you like our lyrics. But <laughs> yesterday's was one of those. It just kind of came all out. And then you look at it, you're like, oh, you know, there's actually a message here. And we'll kind of get into that message first when we talk about, you know, the lyrical makeup of yesterday's. But it was weird. I've never had an experience like I had on Crescendo of Silence where all these thoughts and ideas came pouring out that quickly and turned out to actually make sense and not be complete nonsense. Yeah, I would agree. I, I was. I think I told you many times how fast you were pulling these out, and hey, I put another track on. I put another scratch. You know this and that, and I was like, "Where is this all coming from?" Because most artists aren't able to produce that much quality with not just a single little line, um, and that also came to be true with your lyrics. So, not to blow you up, because you know, try to keep each other humble. But well, I I appreciate it, Lance. You see, people, there's a lot of love in West of House. There is. We very rarely make fun of each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't mean it. What the heck are you talking much. about? We, there's a lot of joking around, but <laughs> we don't mean it necessarily. There's there's a lot of chops busting in the band, but we are still actually friends. And well, as you guys heard last episode, we've a lot of us have known each other a very long time. That's true. And we're going to try to make this a family show. It's our text threads that need to be edited and, and put the explicit <laughs> language on. But the, the text threads go with us to our grave. Yeah, those are dangerous. That's true. Uh, so, but after vocals, you know, what I do is, you know, I've got my fake drum track, which you kind of heard on uh, the clip we played. And then I'll send it out to Lance and Tommy. And I think, Lance, you were... I think did I was you put next. your part on? Yeah, I think I was next on that. And... 
And it was it was interesting because this was still early in our recording process. So I didn't have an interface, which we'll get to some other song. So, and this was pre-COVID. So I, I came over to your garage, which was two blocks away from my garage. And um, we sat down and you kind of plugged in and recorded. I think we had... I think Scotty was there, one of our other drummer friends from other projects. And so yeah, it was just scratch dry, you know, your vocals and your scratch. <laughs> your, I think you had vocals. I really can't remember about that. I thought there were vocals, but I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, there were vocals. Um, yeah. When you first sent that or posted it. And it was all you and your guitar, right? And program drums, like you mentioned. Right. And, you know... I, Looking back, this is early in our project. I mean, Fallen is a pretty mellow song, which we'll get to later. Um, it's because it's later in the album, but this is the second one we did. And, you know, it was, from from my perspective, looking back on the whole project that we did, it was probably the most unique bass that I wrote on that. Um, and, I, and I have to say, I'm, I'm actually embarrassed. I told this to you a few weeks ago, Eric, that... The song was broken up in three sections in my brain. Looking back, there were just really two sections. Um, but for some reason, I heard a verse. We, I think the song goes kind of two verses in a row. We play a chorus before we get to the bridge, which is more or less a, a spacious verse. Right. And then we get in the third verse. We build it up. You know, everything kind of builds at that point in the second half of that song. And what truly is the second chorus, I... In my brain at the time, I completely heard a different progression. Completely. Had and you been drinking the six-point beer at that you know, time? You know, it's... I, <laughs> at the time I recorded, I believe the uh, yes was the answer. But when I wrote it, no, I don't... I think it was pretty, pretty straight up sober. And so, I, you know, you can listen to it and you compare it. Uh, I've got a, a chord kind of ends each of my progressions. I, I rarely do that in songs. But that song just made it sound like this third section needs something different. And um, I look back, I'm a little embarrassed by that. But it actually folds in super well with the song as it builds up. Because it, I know Tommy mentioned this before when we were having discussions slash arguments about what song should start this album. You know, it takes so long for it to build up. You know, I remember Tommy mentioning that. And, and it, it is kind of a mellow build. And it just kind of, bam, hits you in the face when we get through the bridge. And uh, that's kind of why I think that second chorus for me was totally a different progression. So I'm a little embarrassed to admit that as a musician, but uh, it turned out great. And I love the fact that it is the way it is. So, no mistakes in music, right? That's Literally. right. I have to say that bass line is really cool, Lance. I, I sent Eric a message afterwards and I'm like, holy crap, that was a great line that he did. And so... On that second really chorus, cool. or that? no, the whole that whole song, that uh, <laughs> melodic bass line. My brother plays a lot like that, so I like that kind of bass. And it's hard to find people that can do that really well. And uh, you, you nailed that song. That was a such a great bass line, and uh, it really led to me wanting to play a lot less so I could give you more space. Well, I appreciate that. I, I remember when you said that. When you you texted that, you said that was a very melodic whatever. I I couldn't. I didn't know if you were taking a shot or hey that's not like a normal driving bass player so th the fact that we're actually having this conversation now makes me even love you even more tommy <laughs> hey anything yeah. that makes tommy want to play less i'm a fan of hey <laughs> <laughs> hey let's not go there well yeah so i did a lot of i did you know i did a pretty mellow a mostly mellow part for this and did a lot of four on the floor with the kick drum in you the did. in the verses or the choruses just to push that along so you could do your thing 
You did, and I, I remember that too. I thought that exact same thing. Cause I know that's hard for you, Tommy, because you're kind of that '80s, just like gonna fill up as much as I can. You have that awesome uh, a fifth gear, sixth gear that a lot of drummers don't have, and so it's cool to see you have that tenderness too. I think that's one of the cool things uh, that kind of set us apart from other bands. Uh, I mean, there are other melodic bass players out there, of course, but kind of that foundation in West of House, if, if you're listening to the album, and I invite anyone out there to actually do this, uh, kind of separate tracks in your ears if you can, and just listen to those bass lines. We use the bass in this band, it's almost like a lead instrument at times, which really puts a lot more work on Tommy, because he's going to have to carry that whole foundation sometimes when... You've got Kevin doing some ambient line and I'm doing something crazy and Dave's doing God knows what. And then Lance is kind of doing a lead bass line that's coming front and center. And Tommy's just laying down that foundation. But that, well, sandwich of melody, I'll call it, is just (laughs) such a tasty treat. (laughs) Sandwich is a tasty treat. I don't know where that metaphor came from. Write that down. I'm just thinking of like a grilled cheese. I, I, no <laughs> meat. I was hoping oh, for a meat melty. sandwich. But. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's the vocals. You put some ham on it. Okay. The vocals could be the meat. <laughs> but when we're doing instrumental, I'm, you're Gouda, dude. You're Gouda. Gouda. That's good. That's funny. That's fancy cheese. He's, I got bad dad jokes today. That's fancy cheese. <laughs> but, and, you know, that kind of brings us to the next part. I mean, we've got this, Lance does this really awesome melodic line throughout the whole thing. And then Tommy gets a hold of it. And... So, Tommy, tell us what you did there, man. Tell us. I mean, you took this song to an entirely new level. Because my program drums are inarguably horrible. But you (laughs) took this and, I mean, you made it a hit. It's kind of because of your drumming that this ended up opening the entire album. Very kind of you. Um, Yeah, so if you listen to the CD, which Eric has invited you to do, and I'll invite you to do right now, uh, standard operating procedure for me is to start a drum part and add to it as the song goes until at the end I'm doing a lot more than I was at the beginning. So this song is no different. So this song starts off with just kick and snare and there's uh, no brass or anything. It's just uh, kick and snare and then when the vocals come in I do a ride pattern on the floor tom just to give it some rumble and there really isn't a a ride cymbal or a crash cymbal until pretty far into the song. So I wanted to keep it down. Lance had this really cool bass thing going. The the vocals were down, so I'm trying to, to go along with that. And uh, it's a, a cool uh, song because of the arrangement. It's not like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. It's kind of a chorus and then, or a verse, and then I don't know what, Eric, you would call that, that, that second part. Then we come back to the, to the verse again. Yeah, it's interesting. But, like it, it this it kind of like the whole album, and I think our whole sound. It, it, it the song reveals itself over time, because we kind of do a double verse and a, a mellow chorus before that bridge, and then it's like punch in the face, and then we really get moving. So you're right. It, it does have this like we re- slowly reveal the greatness of what we're trying to do, I guess. Which maybe I'm pumping right. myself up here, but um, <laughs> I agree. It's a it's a good song starter and, a, and an album yeah. starter, which is maybe not a normal album starter, which is normally punch in your face. And this one, yeah. I thought was just a beautiful process. Well, we we had that uh, before. I mean, we'll go back to the drums, Tom. I don't want to interrupt you, but we had that really great review. 
where the guy talked about yesterday's and how it opened the album. And I've got the quote here where he says, West of House, let the evolution of the groove become almost mystical. Because for one minute and 37 seconds, you have this buildup. The hook hasn't shown itself. The chorus hasn't shown up. And, you know, opening an album with this, it's almost drawing in the listener very slowly. It was funny that there is a text message that exists out there during the argument of what song opens the album where <laughs> I, I won't name him, but it, it rhymes with, with mommy. Yeah. And, and it says for 90 seconds of yesterday's nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't offended. Yeah. Tommy. I was, you know, wanting something to come out and punch me right in the gut right off the bat. But I think, no, it was a good idea. I don't, I, I'll, I'll, concede that but to your point tommy it's not normal to start an album like that so but it's worked out really well but it's got a yeah it's got a good groove it has a good sound and uh of course this is the first song i think eric's ever done with a cowbell in it oh yeah i figured (laughs) we were gonna talk about the cowbell soon you know we're talking about the cowbell so actually of my existence (laughs) so so back to what i was talking about how i like to build up parts um the cowbell comes in the second half of that phrase that we're doing on one and three, which I actually, actually uh, picked that up from Love Shack by the B-52s because that has a cowbell on one and three through the whole, most of the song. So I stole that from the B-52s, believe it or not. Wow. And then uh, we, we get out of that section, we go do a chorus, we come back into it. And then when that starts up again, instead of more cowbell right there, it's the same cowbell as the last time. So on one and three, and then halfway through, it gets the cowbell on the downbeat. So instead of building up a phrase at a time, it's actually building up a half a phrase at a time, which I thought was kind of fun. And um, before you speak, Lance, because <laughs> I, I do want to, so Eric was talking earlier about different guitars and different ears. Even though I can play the cowbell and the drum part at the same time, I recorded it separately. Because the only when the cowbell's on one and three, it's only coming through the right overhead channel, the overhead mic. Didn't you do that then, just in case I hated it? No. <laughs> yes, you did. No. Your subconscious knew what. No, Eric. that cowbell was in there. So then, when the cowbell comes in on all four uh, downbeats, then uh, I pick it up over both overhead mics. So if you have headphones, listeners, and you can kind of hear that go on. So it's another way of giving urgency to the part by adding more cowbell, but also more presence. It's not any louder. It just gives you more presence because it's in, it's in more microphones. And it works, Tommy. I mean, I don't disagree. I, I love a cowbell, but it, it's a hard instrument to fill into a song. But I do have a <laughs> funny story, just so we don't want to mislead any of our listeners here. So <clears throat> when I got married, I had two requests for the band that we had hired for our reception. No YMCA... That's not happening at my wedding. No, 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 you know, people walking around and holding each other. And then no B-52s, especially Love Shack. Not acceptable. Rock Lobster, I, I did like it for about five minutes when I was in college. But man, Love Shack, woo, not happening. So I'm glad the inspiration didn't bleed in fully, but, but just the, the flavor. Love Shack is a cover band staple, so I've played it a few times. Keep your secret safe. They they love the shack. That's right. So um, a little extra part about this drum part. I use use two hi-hats, and I probably didn't need to because this song is pretty mellow, but I felt like the groove that I wanted to play in the chorus 
needed a smaller, quicker hat, which actually I stole that grew from uh, Devo and Whip It. If you listen to the choruses or the verses of Whip It, it's kind of the same groove that I played in the uh, chorus of yesterday's. So Devo and the B-52s. That's right. That's right. That is a wide, varied range of influences on this song. That's right. Who did you pull from, Lance? Was there anyone that you pulled from for the, for yesterday's? No, I just listened to what you did, and that's what came out. So <laughs> Sometimes that's, that's, that's good, too. That's how now, I write, mostly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Does there exist a bootleg version of yesterday's with Cowbell cranked up to 11? <laughs> yeah, you know, Eric, before you got on, before this show, Tommy and I had a discussion about this. And that when, <laughs> when Tommy brought up the Cowbell... I said, yeah, that didn't work out very well because we had to really pull that back. And Tommy's like, no, 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 no. That was a total joke. Was it, was it Bobby who laid that in there and just overloaded? Yes, that was Bobby Phillips. Oh, man. Uh, the, the audio sorcerer behind everything we do in West of House, pretty much our sixth member. The Mix Ninja. Yet, yet at the second song that he was mixing, he basically gave Eric an aneurysm because it was just pure <laughs> cowbell. It was almost SNL-esque. Quarter you know note cowbells. Do we still have that in the archives? No, uh, not that I know of. I think I have a copy Tommy, of it. Tommy, as I knew, you were so, going to take it and destroy it. So here's, here's it. a few seconds for those of you listening. Uh, again, the bane of my existence, the cowbell. But on yesterday's, <laughs> it works, but... Maybe not quite at this volume. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> there it is, and <laughs> may we never listen to it again. <laughs> that's like a that's like a B B side. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, that'll end up on the EP. Oops, can't talk oh, about that yet. Oh, what? Secret. We're doing an EP? No. Quiet. Deny it. Oh. Wait, All am right. I on that, or do you have another drummer doing that one? You can. <laughs> Depends how much cowbell you're going to play. He's called 808. I'm doing all the cowbell. It's 808. Rude. <laughs> so rude. Roland. That's his name. So drums. Awesome. You got anything else Thank to you. add there about the drums, Tom? No, it's just super simple. Kick, snare, uh, hat, and the only the only tom in it is just the ride tom. I'm just riding on it, and I don't think I did any fills on any tom. So, I just wanted to keep it simple because the bass line was so awesome. Thank you. I'm blushing. You can't see, but I am. Oh, I can see. You know, for the listener, we are on Skype. You know, because COVID, and I can see these handsome young gentlemen. But we, we're not doing a video podcast because we're not quite that handsome anymore. No, and we're That's not true. that young. It's true. Well, Shh, I'm quiet. Not. <laughs> no one knows that. Edit that part out. That's what Photoshop's we, for. We could be 30. So that kind of brings us to the next part. I mean, so I usually do the demo. I have my parts. Lance puts down his. Tommy puts down his stuff. And, you know, usually right then, we've got a really good song. But then we go to our secret weapon. And... You met him already in the last episode, and that secret weapon is Kevin. Kevin Kevin. has this ability to throw down minimalistic lines and take a song from really good to great. And I don't understand it. It's witchcraft. I'm not sure how he does it. He has this ear where, and... I don't coach him. I don't say, hey, I'm looking for this here. I, I just give a track to Kevin. We had all our parts on it. And 
he put down the, the synth part on yesterday's, which if you listen to it, there's not a lot going on. But without that synth part, if you compare it to the demo, it's a completely different song. And then he's got these little lead lines. And, you know, I had already put down, like I said before, seven guitar tracks, which is a ton of guitar. And there's the ability to put on too much guitar. I know guitarists, we don't like to think that, but it's true. We can put on too much guitar. But Kevin just has this, this talent of putting in these little licks, and they're usually always my favorite parts of the songs. I mean, guys, would you agree? Absolutely. He, it, it's funny because, and Eric, you and I have talked about this, where you laid all these lines, you're like, I don't know if there's any room for Kevin, but we'll see what he can produce. And without every single time, there's, there's no disappointment. It's some line or some angle that you would have never thought of. And it, for Kevin, it seems so natural. I would agree. I don't know where it comes from. It is much, it's gotta be dark magic, black magic, witchcraft, something. <laughs> it is pretty impressive and it's never over the top. It's never over the top. And that's the piece for me that is so impressive about Kevin. It's just, it's perfect or it's unique, but it's never excessive. Yeah, you know, when he put that part in, it was pretty late, the synth part, and I, I kind of didn't like it at first because I wasn't used to it. It wasn't that it wasn't bad. I was just so used to hearing the song, you know, a million times while we were tracking. And then all of a sudden there's something new, and I'm like, ah, I don't know, but uh, it turned out to be awesome. Now when I listen to it, I like you say, I really like that part. Oh, I was going to say, like one of the things that I meant from the very beginning and the early part of his stuff and this whole project, I wanted to bring up... Um, Kevin, I think his first pass though didn't go very well. If I don't know if you remember this, Eric, like it didn't fit the song. It was badass. Sorry for my language. I, I think he added a, a an organ church organ feel, and it just was too much. It was over the top, and then it, and then that must have created what we ended up with. But he also had this amazing, super tasty Santana kind of lick with a guitar, also vintage tone, raw. It was amazing. Uh, but it just didn't fit the feel of the song. And then what he eventually created was just an absolute perfect compliment. But, you know, I wanted to coin a phrase here. I, I, I thought of it this morning. It's called creation in isolation. A lot of this album and all of our songs, we never played with each other. Not a single song did we ever sit down with another bandmate and like played off each other, which is what I think we're all used to growing up from young pups. And so, you know, you, you listen to something, typically Eric would lay down and send, you play it and you create some stuff, you send it. And then it's like, no, that's not going to work with this song or, oh my God, like, where did that come from? And so it does waste time. It, it, the ideas are, have to be thrown away, but it also allows for these fresh ideas to be created in, in a vacuum where this is where Kevin, I think, works at his best. So I don't know if you guys remember that. There was this crazy loud organ in the intro. And it was like, holy hell, what is that? Um, but I, I, it must have inspired him to find something that fit better. And, and I do miss that Santana lick. But I, some of, I mean, we've had some fun mistakes. I, I get, well, there's no mistakes in music, but we've had some fun things like that where someone will do something and it's just like, that's a really cool, <laughs> but that doesn't fit here. But, I mean, Kevin's, he's usually that last person, you know, to lay down his tracks for the song. And I, I kind of wish he was on this episode, but because I just, I, I'd hug the bastard because I, I just don't understand how he does it. And Lance brings up a great point, which, I mean, it, 
we could digress a little and kind of talk about that because we didn't really hit on it. We touched on it a bit in the first episode, but that creation and isolation, you know, like Lance said, the five of us have never been in a room together. It's weird for a band to never play together. But we did because, because of the lockdown, we played together the only way that we could, which was apart from each other. And the amazing thing about Crescendo of Silence is I don't think it exists if we don't have the lockdown. It, right. It's a good point. I mean, this song, don't forget, we, we weren't in lockdown yet because this was still January-ish. So like I came over to record this song. Kevin came over to record this song, but yeah, poor Tommy lives in Utah. No, Kevin did this distance. Only Fallen. On, only Fallen was I with Kevin when he did uh, his color parts and that okay. great well, yeah, solo. That solo still is, I think, my favorite of the album, which we'll get to. And Tommy's, well, I haven't... Tommy's in Utah. I have to so. be remote. It's a beautiful nature, but it is a different world. Yeah, you're right. I guess I was the only one that came over and and uh, recorded on your new beautiful little studio. And I I I, I don't know where I was going to add this, but this literally was the first time in my musical career of recording that literally this was a one take for me. There was no redos. There's no punch-ins. I think if I remember right, you and Scotty was there. You were behind me playing darts, drinking beer or something. And um, I finished it and I just turned around and I'm like, all right, that's it. I don't think we need to do that again. And you and Scotty listened to it. And I think eventually you're like, I think you're right. That actually, there was no issues. No, that that came together super fast. I think, you know, time-wise, you spent... I don't know, maybe what, an hour and a half on the entire album? <laughs> Probably maybe like three and a half. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and I'm at like 600, 700 hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lance has this ability to just play and get it right. That's annoying. And then he's done. Well, maybe it's easier because I only have four strings. Just saying. It's just math, really. Get a, buy a five string then. Make it, you know, make it challenging on yourself. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the vocals. I think the vocals for this one is kind of when the West of House sound uh, started to vibe. Uh, Fallen, you know, we've talked about it. Kind of a solo track, kind of a band track. Just sang it, got it out of the way, and it was good. We did some work on it later. We'll talk about that on that episode. But yesterday's, now we've got this monster with layers. And... We, we already did it with guitars. We put down seven guitars, so what the heck? Let's do it with vocals, too. And so what I did was I, I put down a lead vocal, and then I put down an octave vocal. Uh, I don't think there's a lower octave on yesterday's, but there is a higher octave, and that one I do in falsetto. And that started a whole new monster for West of House. I tap into more falsetto on with West of House than I ever have before. Uh, the next episode, we'll talk about that for Carry Your Dreams, where that really became something interesting. But I do the high octave falsetto here. There's like whisper vocal tracks. I think six or seven different vocal tracks here. There's like three on just the I don't knows. I can't wait till we play this live and you do all seven vocal tracks at once. That'll be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> people tell me all the time, can't wait when COVID's over. We're going to come out and watch you. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, 
We will get there, but maybe, well, I don't know. We will play live. We'll just, you know, there'll be a few plane trips involved. Uh, so, yeah, like, uh, like the second verse, that's got octave falsettos in it, just kind of doubling that. It just creates this soundscape. That's kind of the thing that I really enjoy in songs. I mean, I love a good vocal line, but the more that's coming into it, just so every time you listen to it, your ear is drawn to something different. Yeah, I would, I, for, for personally, the, the, I agree with what you said. This song is what I think West of House was born. I mean, we all played on Fallen. It was a fun little track, but we're like, Definitely. hey, let's do one more. Okay, sure, why not? But there's something, this song did something in all of us, I think, where it, for me personally, it excited me about, oh my God, like this, this is a pretty amazing song and we just did something that I've never done before and it just sounds something different. And I think that's what really just kicked us off and then the rest of the few months later, we had an album basically. Um, it was our kind of motivator. Kind of going from vocals, let's talk, let's talk lyrics. So the inspiration for this song came from a picture. There is a 1936 photo of a gentleman named August Landmesser. And he, he's a German citizen. And he's standing in this crowd of people. And they're all doing the, the Sig Heil salute. To, I'm, I'm not sure if it's for something that Hitler's a part of or just a Nazi rally, but everyone in the crowd's doing this Nazi salute. And this dude, who, who's just amazing, he's standing there with his arms crossed. And he's got this look on his face. Surrounded by, I don't know, 100, 200, 1,000 people, who knows. But you, you can look up the picture on the internet, August Landmesser. And that kind of led into this song. Uh, that first verse where it's, I can see everywhere I go, they're staring back at me, questioning my motives. You know, I just thought of that guy standing there, uh, standing strong, even though he's completely outnumbered. And everyone around is like, hey, why aren't you getting in on this? And if I read correctly, he ended up getting drafted into the German army and, and dying in World War II. But, and that was, of course, I'm guessing against his will because this display of protest, you know, is, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I, that kind of segued into kind of my own worldview. Uh, which you guys get a lot of on the album. And I apologize to my band members all the time, but because I write the lyrics, the, my worldview kind of seeps in sometimes. But And some of the things that we go through as we get older and we start deconstructing ideas of politics and deconstructing ideas of religion. And that's a lot what yesterday's uh, is about, mostly on the political side. Just when you start getting convicted of of the way you should be living your life and the way you should be thinking. And it goes and is different from what everyone else is doing. At first it can seem it's, it's scary. It feels dangerous. Uh, you don't know what people are thinking of you. Uh, if you're thinking outside the box and you're the one person out of a hundred, you know, you get those looks, you get those stares and there's that pressure on you. But it's, I mean, Tell me what you guys think. It's it's kind of where we are even as a country right now. Yeah, I mean, it's... Do you agree? Right now, you never know who you're talking to and where they stand, and there's that nervousness. But, you know, you just listening to that story, by the way, I just listened, or sorry, I just looked up this August Landmesser, and 
I'm looking at that photo right now for the very first time, and it's pretty powerful. I mean, it's it's this huge crowd, and the photo itself, you can't actually see the guy, but some of the images, you zoom in on it, and his arms are crossed. I mean, that's what's so interesting. Everyone's around him with their, you know, their normal little Heil Hitler right arm out, but his arms are crossed, and... Yeah, like, and he's got this smirk badass. on his face. Like, it's that's so, so cool. I never, thanks for uh, exposing that to me. But you're right. Absolutely. And, you know, you I'm, I'm also today. looking at it online as we're talking about it, and it says that he was in a relationship with a Jewish woman, and they tried to get married, but the laws at the time, the uh, numbering uh, laws, prevent, prevented it. So not only was he, um, you know, outspoken visually like that he he um tried to marry a jewish woman which at the time being in nazi germany would have been really not popular true and and obviously he's aware of what's going on oh, and, sure. and understands like you said tommy he he had maybe this other part of his life that he realized this is totally against everything that i want and he's doing yeah. what our wonderful country allows. He's, he kind of has his own freedom to do what he, he wants, except he's in a crowd of like 200 people. Yeah. He's the only one not saluting. Impressive. And it, it says he was uh, actually spent two and a half years in a concentration camp because of it, because of his relationship with um, uh, Miss Eckler, says is her name. God bless America. That's right. Irma Eckler was his... Uh, his wife to be, and he spent two and a half years in a concentration camp, which is most likely a lot more difficult than prison. So that's pretty heavy. Well, that explain. I didn't even know that. Thanks for looking that up. I mean, I'd cross my arms too. That guy's <laughs> he, now he's even more badass. He's even more of a hero. You know, he's not only got this disagreement with what's going on with the Nazis, but he, I mean, love transcends everything. You know, and I mean, say going back into yesterday's and even all of our songs, there's kind of that idea that love is the most powerful weapon that we have. And it transcends hate. It transcends ignorance. Uh, it transcends the accepted worldview in, you know, and, and takes in the right worldview because those two things aren't always the same. Uh, one of the lines from yesterday's that just kind of stands out is, uh, you know, we say, it's a bit unfair to hold me up to standards that even you deny. And that kind of has a basis in all that hypocrisy that we see, you know, even from our leaders who call for high moral ethical standards. But, you know, when the lights turn off, you know, you find out who people really are. And then that rolls into that chorus, which I just love. Uh, we'll stand up strong in face of this injustice we cannot live with ourselves if we fall back to all our yesterdays. And we see that. We see history repeating itself time and time again. And I've never been able to understand it, how we fall into these same patterns of hate and disenfranchisement. And uh, I'm forgetting the word right now. Uh, uh, hate against the marginalized, the disenfranchised, uh, the poor. I, I could go on and on. We'll start throwing out scripture and politics and all sorts of stuff, you know, about the loving justice. And, but the bridge of yesterday's is kind of where we make our statement. You know, that, that change will come. There's not a way to stop it. Change will come an inevitability. 
That is so cool. Nobody can sing a seven-syllable word like that. And, and, and I am so bad at hearing lyrics. When I first heard this, I didn't know. I thought that was like three words because I don't read the lyrics. I just listen to the music, and, and I don't listen to every lyric. But, you know, until I get a chance to read them online when you post it, I'm like, oh, that's one word. And I think I sent a text to you as soon as I read that. I'm like, wow, you sang a seven-syllable word, and that was pretty badass. <laughs> Is it seven? I haven't. I haven't counted. In is it seven? In the way you're saying it, it is. I don't yeah, know if seven. it is, but right. you made it seven. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, I'm sure some people cheat. I, I can hardly say that word. Yeah, that's a seven-syllable word. Pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, and then, kind of the last thing after those lyrics, the very last thing added to the song, which I don't even think you guys knew till I sent you the last mix was the quote by um, uh, Elie Wiesel, you know, who's, I mean, he spent time in a concentration camp. He's, he's passed on now to something far better. But this is an amazing guy, if you don't know anything about him, uh, Elie Wiesel. And he's got this quote it's from a speech called The Perils of Indifference uh, that he gave the Clinton White House was honoring him. And he gives this speech about how indifference is so much worse than some of the evil things we do because it's just that ignoring the humanity of people. And that quote we use from the song is from two different parts in the speech, but it's spliced together. It says, uh, to be indifferent to that suffering is what makes the human being inhuman. And in denying their humanity, we betray our own. And it just goes back to that idea that when we deny the humanity of others, when we put them at a lower place than we are at, uh, we're giving up our own humanity to do that. And we become more callous and we become, our hearts become hard to that. We lose the ability to empathize. We lose the ability to have grace and mercy for others. And it's it's what slowly kills you. It's like cancer. It's a slow killer of the soul. So that's, I'm sure I'm rambling now and going off on a tangent. We're getting to the deep stuff, Westies, the deep stuff. Deep West, far, far West. Starting with song one. (laughs) You're in the you're yeah. in the deep west now, and you know I really like the chorus, the uh, phrasing of the the words. You know, we'll stand up strong in face of this injustice. We so that's the end of one sentence and the beginning of the next sentence, but that's all you say right there. Injustice, we. Right. It's like, yeah, that's cool. You know that, that I like things like that personally. I like how th- there's a play on phrasing in songs. So I think you'll remember that um, we were in a band, if you don't know, called God Complex. And we had a song called Puzzle. And on Puzzle, I mean, total digression, I wrote that song driving into the studio and I actually got the inspiration from a McDonald's billboard. I kid you not. But yeah, we had done the music and we needed vocals. We were, we were recording at Sunset Sound in Hollywood. Beautiful studio. Uh, this historical, wonderful studio. And I'm driving into the studio and I need lyrics. I'm like, what am I going to write? So I see a McDonald's billboard. I, do you remember the first line, Tom? Um, to, oh, take take a look at what you want. There you go. It's your, yeah. So, so we're doing this song yesterday, and I see the billboard. It's like it says like take a look at what you want. It's yours if you ask. And that just set me off. So I write a first verse, and I don't know if it was laziness or genius because there's such a fine line between the two. <laughs> For the second verse, I sang the exact same lyrics but I changed up the phrasing. 
to where I'm singing the same thing, but I'm singing it in a different phrase and it means something completely different. And that's kind of what I do in yesterday's. When you read it straight, it says something, you know, really wonderful about standing up against injustice. And then you change the phrasing and what it does, it draws the listener in. They think they're hearing something that they're not hearing. And it forces them to really listen to the lyric and take in what you're saying. So, I mean, it's a trick. It's, it's a parlor trick to draw the ear in, you know, and they're like, oh, wait, did I hear this? No, this is something else. And it, it's fun to do. Lyrically, as a lyricist, I enjoy those kind of those little mind yeah, games you play with people's you ears. Know, Eric, you know, I struggle with vocals too to hear them, like Tommy mentioned, even to understand them. And what you just said about how you phrased it and how you've always mentioned to me, lyrics should be able, to, written well, they should be able to mean many different things to many different people. And that didn't hit me at all because I'm a, those of you who don't know, I'm in education and I'm definitely a visual learner. And I had no clue really about what the song's message was, but the video that we'll talk about in a little bit that this song ended up producing uh, from a friend of ours really brought this all for me and, and came to kind of the forefront. And looking back now, I think that real that video really brought this song's meaning and the lyrics to me and allowed me to kind of marinate in those words that you're writing. So, so good on you, Eric, because obviously that's a gift, man. You've got a talent there that none of us else have in the band. Um, and from different angles. And that's something that's very special. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Good, good <laughs> words. I've got good bandmates. So we've, we've yapped that was about way. yesterday's quite a bit. So what we're going to do now, uh, we're going to play it. And we're going to cue it up, listen to the whole song, and then we're going to talk a little more and, and end the episode. But right now, here we go. The album opener from Crescendo of Silence by West of House. This is Yesterday's.
to that suffering is what makes the human being inhuman. And in denying their humanity, we betray our own. Change will come. There's not a way to stop it. Change will come. But inevitability. fans before we continue we're going to take a left turn here and throw dave at y'all he just dropped into eric's studio so we're going to put a mic in front of him and ask him what he thinks of yesterday's as an album opener so dave thanks for joining us tell us what you think about yesterday's as the album opener on crescendo of silence yeah, I think it really, um, like the way it all came together, it really set the tone for the album. It set the tone for um, for the style that listeners can expect from Wessa House. Uh, I, I like that it comes in with uh, with kind of a, a jangly chorus lick. Um, and the, the way the drums come in, uh, just kind of riding the toms, like there's, there's a lot of uh, anticipation. There's a, a lot of tension that gets built throughout the verses. Um, so, I mean, I, I really dug that even from when I first heard the demo and just, it was so awesome seeing it take shape. Um, and then, uh, that's definitely one where like once, uh, once the drums become more active and once, once the song really takes off, um, uh, that and the bass really, that and the bass really drive the instrumentation. Uh, but what I love about it is how clear and how like out front uh, the vocals are so like there's not there's not as much happening from a guitar perspective but on the other instruments as the listener listens to it and as i listen to it kind of with with fresh ears it's like okay this one's just it's like a good right hook like here's what we've got like we're not screwing around when it comes to bassists we're not screwing around when it comes to drum parts and oh here's the ton of bricks we can all sing and our, our lead vocalist really is a powerhouse, like more than you would give credit for, more than uh, a lot of our peers and a lot of what pop music is giving us these days. So it really is a, it's a very clear differentiator from the jump. Like some of the, the vocal strength coming out on that, like it's a very U2 arrangement, but to me it's very Queensryche vocals. Just with like the, the overall strength, like it's, 
it's early Jeff Tate. Like their Operation Mindcrime is all over that. You know what, Dave? I couldn't agree more. I have always been a big fan of Eric's vocals, and 20 years later, I still am. I'm looking forward to seeing what else he has in the tank for future West of House albums. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and cut you loose. I know you're busy tonight, so we all thank you for taking some time out and stopping by and letting us know what you think of yesterday's, and I'm looking forward to doing more of these with you very soon. So take care, have a good night, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, likewise, man. We'll do this again soon. Absolutely, Dave. Looking forward to it. So we're going to go ahead and get back on track here. We're going to put Eric on the mic and we're going to talk some more about yesterday's before we wrap this episode up. So Eric, why don't you give us your thoughts on the song we just heard? You know what, gentlemen? I, I still like it. I've heard the song probably you still 500 like it. times. That's good to know. <laughs> and, and I still like the song. Absolutely. So that's good, right? That's good. Uh, so Lance, you kind of mentioned this. Uh, right before we played the song, uh, the video. We do have a video for yesterday's. It's on our YouTube page. You search up West of House, you'll go to our YouTube page. Please subscribe because we need 100 subscribers to get the youtube.com slash West of House name. But before we have 100 subscribers, it's like 30 different letters and numbers. But uh, why don't you talk about the video a little bit, Lance? Like most of the making of this album, each new song we recorded, which this was our second one, right? So we were excited about Fallen and we do this, but I think all of us said, oh my gosh, Yesterday's is my new favorite. And the funny thing is, looking back now, I think we said that probably six, seven, eight, maybe nine times as we wrote all 10 of these songs. We just loved the next one we did. And that's what was so fun about this project. Um, what... What I loved <clears throat> that we recorded here, it wasn't until I saw Paul's creation, who, Eric, you'll obviously get to talk about Paul, um, is I realized that there was something really special here with this band. Obviously, I loved this song. And I enjoyed Fallen. But when I saw it in a video format and all of these different layers that Paul did, and I don't know how he did it in such a short time, gosh, Eric, was it like a day and a half or less than that? A week. I think it was about the a time he ended. maybe a week or two. It was less but, than two but weeks. It was, yeah, it I was want fast. to say a week then. It was really fast. Um, I just realized, oh my gosh, we kind of kick ass. I, I really that went through my thought. Like I, I knew we were good. We all are good musicians, but we created something that I I've never felt the kind of pride and and astonishment, I guess, of something we all did together until this video came out. Yeah, Paul. That's that's Paul Stamat. He's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, going back to, we went to high school together. And he did the video for this, and his work was fantastic. And there's animation and uh, all videos of like all these religious figures and people in marches. And he, he kind of nails what the song is about. It's, it's not handing the message out on a plate to you. There's still, you have to do some digging. There's a lot of metaphorical stuff in there. And parts of it can be esoteric. But it's wonderful. And it's basically about this guy. He kind of puts on a virtual reality thing and he goes back in time and sees all this stuff. And it, it's really cool. I, I do not have the skills that he has. I don't know how he dreams this stuff up. I imagine it's kind of how, how we, you know, feel music. Cause he said before, I don't know how you do that. How I'm much like, well, did you see him friends. on that? Like walk through the meaning or did you give him the lyrics and the song and none of it? I, I don't do anything. That's unbelievable. Actually. 
uh, with yesterday's. I gave it to him and I said, go. Uh, moving, moving Shadows, which we'll talk about later. That video is up already if you want to look at it ahead of time. He did that one. That was his idea. And, uh, well, we'll talk about the other videos when we get to the other songs. But more are coming, Westies. Yeah. More videos are coming. Speaking of other songs, Eric just dropped the word esoteric. So 10 points for the Westie who can tell us where that word is <laughs> on the CD. That's in another oh, I do song. Say, I do say that. You yeah, do say right. that. That's, that's, that's right. Song. So you're you're dropping some uh, some nice info for people to look for the word esoteric on the CD. So uh, you know that kind of wraps up. I mean, yesterday's. I I hope you guys have learned a lot. I I know I actually learned a few things even from Tommy, which is wow. always a surprise to learn from Tommy. <laughs> uh, but the next uh, episode, well, what's next, gentlemen? What song? What's track two on the album? We got episode three, track two would be Carry Your Dreams. Carry Your Dreams. Who put that song in the second position of the album? Who's to blame for that? That's probably the bass player. I think Lance. Yeah, that was Lance. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Uh, the placement of that, because that was not the original plan, but, but damned if it didn't work out nice. In the end, we all hugged it out. That wasn't a fight. It's more of a, a, a loving wrestle. But we'll talk about Carry Your Dreams. There's some great stories there. We want to thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we do this, well, first for us, but also for you guys next. And the fact that you listen to our songs, you listen to us babble, it means a lot. It is an honor and a privilege to spend this time with you. Now, if you can, help us out. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, the Twitter uh, all of those, the, the name is West of House Band on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On YouTube, you can look us, uh, look us up just by typing in West of House and we shall appear. At Bandcamp, we are at westofhouse.bandcamp.com. That's a great place if you want to support us financially, which we will not say no to. And also the, all your streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, give us a listen. Those streams mean a lot. Add us to your playlists. Listen over and over again and get ready because sneak preview, there is new music coming. There which is. you'll learn about in episode <laughs> 12, I think. <laughs> Sounds good. So thank you for your time and we will see you guys. Have a good one. Did you did you seriously just quote the Wiz? <laughs> well, oh, I've yeah, seen that, the Wiz. That's from the I don't Wiz. remember that, but all right. No, I'm just saying we 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 started with that's not with bad. Fallen. Yeah, Wiz that's is not a great bad. show. If if you want to if you want to digress into Broadway I've musicals, I've I mean, been in a few. go for it. You've been on stage probably. I'm in the pit. Yeah, that's Eric's wheelhouse. I can't sing. I know, right? Yeah, it's true. Yes, West of House fans, I do have a Broadway background, so look out there. Hopefully those videos will never see the I'm light. I'm searching of, for of them day. right now. Uh, <laughs>